December is supposed to usher in one of the happiest times of the year. Houses begin to dress themselves with bright lights. The music changes and everyone begins to anticipate the big day. It's a time of family, faith, celebration, and traditions. However, something just feels off about this year, right? I mean, last year, your biggest worry might have been finding the right Christmas tree. And this year, we have worries of pandemics and politics and personal finances and more. How do we celebrate the incoming light when everything around us feels so dark? It is, however, precisely at this point that the Christmas story finds resonance with ours. See, Jesus didn't enter into a world that had it all together. He entered into a broken and dark world and said, I am the light of the world. See, the world Jesus entered into as a vulnerable, fragile baby was a world of dictators and tyrants and wars and famines and plagues and massacres. But it is that world that Jesus makes his startling claim. See, the claim of Christmas is not that rejoicing happens when everything is made well, but that one can rejoice even in the midst of a broken world. This is a truth we need to hear anew. Like a present under a Christmas tree meant to surprise an unknowing child, Jesus is the great unwrapping. He's the great unveiling, the great surprise a weary world needed. No one would have expected the story to go as it did. No one expected God to do what he did. And for the people who encountered Jesus in the Gospels, no one would expect him to do the things that he did. One of these people who we are told experiences one of these surprises of Jesus is a man who has something called leprosy. Now, we don't know much about this nameless man, but we do know enough about him because of his condition to know a significant part of how he would have had to live. Leprosy is uh, a disease that describes a number of various skin conditions in the Bible. And so we don't need to know exactly which one it is, but we need to know some things about the ancient mind in order to truly understand what's going on. See, for people in Jesus' day, they had categories and ways of looking at reality that are completely foreign to the modern mind. And if we're going to understand this story, we have to understand what happens when the clean collides with the unclean, when the holy meets the common. Common and holy, clean and unclean. These words may sound strange to us, especially to the modern ear. I mean, when I talk about clean, the way I use it is if my car is dirty, I simply wash it and now it's made clean. But these words are incredibly important in the biblical world that they live in. So let's talk first about holiness. Holiness is used to describe God because he is completely and utterly distinct. He is like nothing else in all of creation. He is the actual creator. He is the one who puts all things into existence. He is pure being and never came to be. So when we talk about God's holiness, we are talking about him being different, set apart, utterly distinct from everything else. When we think of God's holiness, we can think of a fire. And this is often how God is depicted in the Old Testament. God's presence is holy. And we see that in the Old Testament, specifically in the temple. The closer you got to the temple and to the inner chamber, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence was, the, the hot, hotter it got, the higher the intensity was. And so, like a fire, God's holiness in the Holy of Holy in the, te in the temple makes everything around it, in a sense, holy to a lesser degree. 
it makes everything else warm. So when you're around a fire, things around it begin to heat up as well because of the presence of fire. Now think about uh, your shoes, however. Say your feet are cold and you put your feet up to warm them around the fire. Your feet may start to get warm, but also your shoes may begin to melt because the fire is a consuming fire. Leviticus 10.10 says, You are to distinguish between the holy and the common and between the unclean and the clean. In other words, not just anything can come into the presence of God. When a man named Moses encounters God in a burning bush, God tells him to take off his sandals and to not come near. Now, why does he tell him not to come near? It's because God says this is holy, sacred ground. And why is it holy, sacred ground? It's because the presence of God is there. And that's similar to what happens in the Old Testament with the temple. Not just anything or anyone can come into the presence of a holy God. You have to be made clean. Now, in the book of Leviticus, there are a number of things that can make one unclean. What's interesting is that in one way, uh, one way or another, they all sort of deal with death. And one of those things that can make you unclean is a disease called leprosy. Now, right off the bat, we have to clear up some misconceptions. Oftentimes, biblical leprosy is equated with modern-day leprosy, a disease called Hansen's disease. Now, we don't have to get into all the details in the debate, but suffice to say, biblical leprosy was probably not modern-day leprosy. It was some type of skin condition. However, there is a temptation to always try and figure out what is the exact type of physical ailment that this person had. And that's a modern temptation to focus on the physical. But for the biblical world and the people that occupied it, the bigger issue was that this leprosy made the man unclean. And that had, in addition to physical issues, massive social, relational, emotional, and spiritual implications. In Leviticus, the Bible outlines what to do with one who has leprosy. And it's this sort of ultra-quarantine social distance protocol. The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkept, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. So the issue was not just a physical one. It was much more than that. The person with leprosy was cut off from worshiping God in the temple. They were cut off from family. They were cut off from their people. An ancient historian by the name of Josephus describes people with leprosy as the walking dead. And this same sentiment is echoed by many rabbis of the time. One of the worst components of this was the contagious nature of this disease. And again, the modern mind thinks contagious, oh, we don't want to get leprosy. But you have to understand there's something far more contagious than just mere leprosy. The uncleanness is contagious. If anything that is clean comes into contact with that which is unclean, they become unclean as well. See, the uncleanness spreads like wildfire. It is with this backdrop that we can now place our story. Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. A leper runs not away from Jesus, but towards 
him. Now, again, we don't know much about this man, but we do know some things because of his condition. Because he was unclean and a leper, he would have been familiar with despair and agony, isolation and loneliness. He was an outcast. He was a part of the walking dead, cut off from friends and family, cut off from going to temple. In other words, from going to church. Now, because of our present situation, we can begin to kind of barely experience a fraction of what this man knew. Because of the pandemics and shutdowns and lockdowns, we have experienced a a similar sort of isolation, although to a much smaller degree. And so many of us in this time have been lonely and isolated. We kind of get a taste for what it possibly would have been like. See, it is not good for man to be alone. We need other humans. We need to hear their voice. We need to see their smile and we need to feel their touch. It's important to point out the boldness of this man. He's unclean and yet he rushes into the presence of Jesus. And there's another important factor, the question that he asks. He says, are you willing to heal me? Are you willing to make me clean? See, it's not the ability of Jesus that he doubts. He doubts if Jesus is going to be willing to heal him. And that might parallel our experiences as well in some ways. Because many times in our lives, we wonder if God truly loves us, if God is truly willing to forgive us. We, we talk and we say to ourselves, no, I am not worthy. If, if God knew the things that I've done, if you knew the things that I've done, if you know what's been done to me, if you know what's in my past, if you know what I wrestle with, well, God couldn't heal that. He couldn't make that clean. He wouldn't want to. And so oftentimes we, like the leper, doubt not God's, God's ability, but if he's willing to make us clean. Now remember, in the Bible, it is not a moral sin to be unclean. It just means that you are unclean. When it becomes sin is because that which is unclean comes into the temple. And why is that a sin? Because the temple is where the holy presence is. So what do you think is going to happen when the leper approaches Jesus? When a man who is unclean approaches the holy presence? Now, try to play this story out in your head because you're going to expect it to go this way. Everyone's thinking it's going to go down this certain path. But what's about to occur is an incredible surprise, a twist that no one was expecting. Matthew 8, 3, reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him saying, I am willing, be made clean. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus's words matter here. But maybe even more so than just his words, his actions matter. Jesus reaches out and touches the man. And a single touch, the love of God, is made known. Who knows how how long it has been since this man has felt the, the touch of another human being. See, Jesus crosses a distance and travels farther than just an arm's length. Jesus crosses over the pain, the agony, the despair, the isolation, thousands of tears, thousands of nights alone, possibly. And in that, he crosses over and meets the man in his need and touches him. And here is the crazy part and the even bigger surprise than the healing. Rather than Jesus becoming polluted or contaminated by the uncleanness of the leper, the leper is healed by the contagious nature of Jesus' 
holiness. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But he also puts that light in his followers. And in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, you are the light of the world. Furthermore, and even more startling than that, the Bible says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You now carry the fire. And this is the great surprise no one was expecting. When all hope was lost, when there was nowhere else to turn, that which was impossible was made possible. Jesus himself is the great surprise. And maybe today you might find yourself in a similar situation. You feel shame, you feel the weight of the world, you have burdens, you feel unclean, and you don't necessarily doubt God's ability, but you doubt if he's willing. Well, here's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can bring your shame, your burdens, and your sin to this good God. He doesn't have only the ability, he is willing, he desires to. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Though your sins may be like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. So come to him today, and he can make you clean. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you get to share this surprise with the world. You carry the light. You carry the gospel. You get the tremendous joy and the ability to share this great news with your friends and families and loved ones. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, so carry the fire well. Christ died to make sinners clean, and he does so with his blood. And so this December and in this Christmas season, if you're tempted to take your eyes off the prize, remind yourself, keep your eyes fixed on the person and work of Jesus, and remember to carry the fire well.